Our guests today are the mutants known as Lux and Hall of Femme, and we are having a boozy brunch to discuss the Loki finale. You'll remember Lux from our episode with Cena Grace, in which he co-hosted and we did a deep dive into Cena's Iceman run. Make sure to go check out that episode, because Lux was more phenomenal in that episode and such a natural and prodigious interviewer. I feel so lucky that we have him back on the podcast to discuss this bombshell of a finale, and he's got feels! And let us all welcome the extraordinary Hall of Femme to the Power of X-Men Familia! Hall of Femme is a cosplayer and artist who I became obsessed with after seeing her Wanda, Dazzler, and Loki cosplay. She's going to blow you away with her story about the X-Men animated series in this episode as well as her theory on the Tree of Life and the Splintered Timeline. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. During the whole making of X-Men and the casting of X-Men, I was there in the production office. Remember, you don't need to scream for help when Banshees are around. Was it supposed to be Jean or was it supposed to be Madeline? I drew that image and a deliberate hint at things to come. What makes Marvel Legends so special? Just the partnership with Marvel, you know, continuing to work with Jesse Falcon. This is your special guest host, Mr. Sinister. <laughs> you, know, you would never put Storm in a ponytail. That would be well, weird. You could, but that would be weird. <laughs> but giving it to Jean kind of made her the girl next door that everybody could talk to. When I met Stan, he was very gracious and, and, and very kind. This is the Power of X-Men podcast. I am your host, Dayspring. Hope you survive the experience. Guys, episode six of Loki, the finale. What's up, Lux? Hey, guys. How's it going? Super excited to be here. I'm still reeling from the whole, from the whole series, but especially that last episode. So I'm ready to jump right in. I, I am too. And we also have, for the first time ever on Power of X-Men, Petra. Hi, Petra. Hi. So excited to be here. I think I slid into your DMs after I saw your Sylvie Lady Loki costume that you had posted. And I was like, I need to know her. Good choice. It's so good. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so guys at home, we are having a boozy brunch to talk about all things Loki today on the podcast. Uh, I was going to call you Sylvie, <laughs> Petra. Okay. Petra, what are you drinking? I am drinking a uh, specialty drink made for me by my husband. It consists of two ounces of Hendrix gin, blackberry seltzer, two watermelon slices, and it's best served in a horn. Yeah. Where, where, how do you have a horn laying around your house? This is just a fake one. We have a, like, I have a drinking horn somewhere that, for the life of me, I couldn't find. But, I mean... Don't you? <laughs> no. Come on, Paul. Where's your formal drinking horn? Jesus. Right. Come on now. Wait, Greg, do you have one? No, but I did realize as soon as I saw Petra's horn, Amazon has been showing me ads for drinking horns. I don't know why, but just in the last week, I kept seeing it. And I was like, maybe, maybe, maybe I come out of this with a drinking horn. Uh, it's but- because your hair is so long now. You're very Yeah, poor. you're happy there. I haven't. This had one is like a coffee cup, actually. Pandemic, so like, it's about time. I might just 
cut it all. No, it looks beautiful. Don't do that. Keep it. But Greg, what are you drinking? You're drinking like a green mimosa. Yes, I need like I I heard that Petra was going to have a specialty Loki drink and I am not one to be outdone. Uh, So I tried to make myself a Loki green mimosa, which is just a mimosa with a tiny bit of blue curacao. Um, It looks better than it tastes. (laughs) (laughs) It looks delicious. Sorry. (laughs) You like two more and then it's not going to matter. Two more was when I started, so... We're oh, here. Okay. Oh, oh, he has arrived at the party. Okay. I need <laughs> like I said, not one to be outdone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Before we dive into the episode, though, um, Lux, you were here previously when we interviewed Cena Grace, yes. but we didn't really get a good chance to get to know you, even though I believe everyone in the Power of X-Men community knows you from book club, from DMs and everything. But why don't you give us some basic like 101 on your fandom? You came to comics through a college essay. Yes. Right? Um, so I, I was writing a paper on queer representation in a Disney-owned product. Uh, and the product I chose was the Iceman uh, solo series that Cena Grace wrote, obviously, as we, as we talked about on the podcast before. Um, and since then, I was just like, okay, well, you know, I'm reading this one, so... Let's do, let's see what blue and gold has to offer. And I read all of blue and gold and I'm sorry, <laughs> me too, <laughs> but blue and gold led me into X-Men red and the, the black series, which was all the, the villains kind of one shots that were incredible. Uh, and then I started reading the Krakoan era when those came out and I, just spend so much money on comics these days like, oh i got i worked a couple hours overtime this week so maybe maybe that money goes to a couple more trades <laughs> it's the only right answer mm-hmm. Treat yourself. petra why don't you walk us through your fandom your cosplays are incredible oh, so incredible so many. Ha- have you since this is literally the first time we're talking to you yeah have you always been a lifelong uh, fan, a Marvel fan? Did you come at it later in life? What is your origin story with fandom? My origin story uh, began actually uh, in the early 90s in Germany, um, where I uh, first started out actually with the X-Men animated TV show, which we got to watch in German. And I actually went to one of the few schools in the country that still has school on Saturdays. So I really didn't get to watch it all that much. It offended me greatly. But then um, I, you have to understand that like uh, Germany used to get, this was before the internet and everything, Germany used to get everything dubbed and translated and whatever. So first it would take a long time to even make it through the channels to arrive. And then more often than not, I would see something translated in German and I'm just like, yeah, that's not what they're saying. And so I kind of um, taught myself English to just get more into it because I was really interested in everything of pop, uh, pop culture and, and comic books and all that. And I was like, yeah, that is in fact not at all what they're saying. So um, actually I used to cut class in high school a lot and just hide out in a comic book shop that they uh precariously placed just like two streets down from my school and I was just like there and of course I didn't have any money so I never bought anything so I just like sat in there for like three hours and just wiped through all the comic books and like left <laughs> so I was a favorite customer I'm sure but it all got me into it and um I'm definitely a Marvelite 
my first costume, my second costume uh, was actually, uh, my first documented costume was actually Rogue from X-Men and I made her like one of those leather suits from the movie when it came out in 2000. Oh, yeah. I was 16, that was probably not like the most appropriate thing for that age, but meh. So, um, <laughs> And I had the rogue hair, like the front of my hair was dyed blonde. Oh my God, you so. would be an amazing rogue. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I dare say, I didn't enjoy Anna Paquin in it. Sorry, but. Um, no, I did too. I think Anna Paquin was a great, like coming of age rogue for that first movie. In the second movie, we saw her grow. I mean, she even did the X, she moved the X jet on her own. And then she has a suit at the end. I was expecting we would then get her to be what Anna Paquin would eventually do in True Blood as Suki Stackhouse. I, I thought Suki she was Stackhouse perfect. Would have been the perfect yeah, so I'm, I'm fine with Anna Paquin being a bashful 14-year-old kid who can't touch another human being. Like That makes sense that Rogue would be like that. Um, but I would have liked to have seen her grow throughout the movies, especially in Days of Future Past. Like It's just kind of like, she looks apart. She's perfect. We know she can do it. Why didn't she do it? You know, Why didn't they direct her to do that? But... Not to mm. it's so, such a yeah it was such a cop out and she's just like yeah i don't want to do it i'll take that cure and bye <laughs> yeah well i i speak about the cure in a recent episode with blainer things we went over the astonishing x-men run and he had some really great insight on that that i don't want to mutilate and butcher but the guys at home that episode will be dropping soon mm. but greg i don't know if i know this specifically who is your favorite like marvel character that's really hard. I have a really, I have like a big soft spot for uh, Laura Kinney, actually. <clears throat> I don't know. What I think I did know about, that. I don't, I don't know what it is about that character, but it's something about, I was right at that age when they introduced her in X-Men Evolution uh, that like they were, they were keeping me on board by like introducing another young person into the show. <laughs> um, and then Logan is one of my absolute favorite movies. And then reading the all new Wolverine run, which I think is, Tom Taylor? Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah. Um, but reading that, uh, having her relationship with Gabby evolve into like kind of like this protective older sister slash mother situation, just something that I've always like just loved. I'd love to see that whole evolution of her, no pun intended. <laughs> what did you think of Demanda Martini on our live last night where she was here like, no more Wolverines and like I literally called out Gabby? Th that was the one thing I disagreed with. I want to kill every Wolverine except for Dokken and Laura. And oh. also like Gabby just like hides behind Laura in my head because I love her. But I, I only love Gabby with Laura. Yeah. Like Gabby in a vacuum, trash. Well, I loved them in X-Men Red, especially oh, yeah. when Gabby comes out and she's here like, holy shit, Jean freaking Grey is alive and here. I'm sorry to have the red carpet and I didn't clean my... I thought it was so adorable. I told you actually reading, I think it was in volume two, um, they're, using, they're using Gabby's brain for something because she can't feel pain. Uh, um, and Jean is kind of reading her thoughts and being like, hey, you can, like, you can stop being nervous. That moment was like my like oh i get why gene is incredible because like in this moment of great like of great turmoil and troubles gene is like taking the time to calm down this kid who's nervous about her palms being sweaty i mean gene gray is our god queen i mean true. <laughs> petra who is your favorite marvel character i kind of actually thought about this 
in preparation and it's kind of it's it's more of a like a top five that kind of takes uh turns but I don't I couldn't ever decide on a favorite they're all like there's several that are super meaningful to me but I think Thor is actually uh like the frequent favorite because Chris Hemsworth and I share a birthday so um I know it's like one of the few people that has the same birthday as I'm. I'm the long lost twin. He got the height, the looks, the talent, and I'm here. Oh my god! <laughs> you gotta share a birthday with someone. I know it's, it's not bad. Wait, let's see no, when is yeah. his birthday. He's August, August 11th. 11th. Oh, your birthday's coming up in less than a month. Yes, it is. Happy early birthday! Thank you. Uh, so he's kind of just such a. Uh, I don't know. He's such a himbo, but he's so like profoundly. He's backing himself up 100%. He's just always the most sore a sore can be. And it just, it's just like, it is written, so it is. And that's just how I am. And like, he's not about learning and growing, but he's just always as sore as sore can be. And that I got to get behind. Um, Bucky Barnes oh, is one yeah. of them. His story and like his, like Stanley, which makes me more of a Marvelite than like a fan of any other uh, publication or franchise is that, all his characters mean something to him and mean something in the greater scheme of things. And with him, with like um, loss of agency, torture, trauma, being a prisoner of war, all that stuff, like that is still, and, and like the whole reason for him to exist for the fact that he, Stanley didn't want little 18 year olds to be like excited about signing up to go to war. Like he's the cautionary tale of why it's unconscionable to have teenage sidekicks. Like that's yeah. huge. And he with talking and the winter soldier being the first superhero adjacent character to seek therapy was profound for me i'm like i'm a big advocate of mental health and therapy especially after 2020 everybody needs it so oh, it's like yes. that was so good to see i was like oh finally thank god somebody um magneto okay we love magneto I love, here i love him um especially from having like come into uh, the fandom mostly through like the the TV oh Magneto there. What? Wait, well, let me ask you both this question: What do you guys think of the trial of Magneto? I'm so stoked for it. I, I know oh. because you know, like the it's there's this thing that my brain can't separate, like the like storytelling aspect behind the scenes. Like I have to be thinking about that. And yeah. with the Scarlet Witch being so huge in the MCU right now, like they're not going to kill her off in the comics. Not permanently, anyway. It's not no, she's coming happen. back. She oh, yeah. is coming back. Well, Cerebro will have a backup of her because if the logic is she was one time considered a mutant by everyone, she would have been backed up. So whether they stop backing her up after, you know, uh, access is a different story altogether. But um, let's see where it goes. I'm really excited. Sylvie, were you? That literally, and I literally just said it so casually. I'm like, Sylvie. <laughs> like, hi, Sylvie. Like, as if you're my friend. I'm like, I loved you on your show. Um, Petra. Petra. Yes, Petra. What did you think um, of that? ending with uh of, of the hellfire gala with um with scarlet witch now dead and magneto i guess stands accused i love that that's the first thing out of logan's mouth is oh no what happened second thing is where's magneto <laughs> oh, <laughs> i was thinking that too like, 
it's it's one of those things where I hope they do it something epic, like a murder on the Orient Express type thing, where it's just this cast of really intriguing characters that all kind of have a motive. Like in that trailer, when you see Mystique just being like, mm-hmm, you know, and like, oh yeah, okay, can you be more obvious? And then Emma Frost is just like, I don't care, you know, I'm having a drink here. <laughs> like, Emma's over it. I mean, someone else pointed this out where it was like, don't forget in uh, in House of M1, she was here like, well, let's just put her down. You know? (laughs) She was like, I don't care. But it's so funny that you said that, Petra, because I have said I want it to be an Agatha Christie style story. I don't know if we'll necessarily get that. I you know, like I was hoping even the Hellfire Gala would have set up her death a little bit more. Everyone was like, oh, I saw it coming, everything, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know if it's the curse. I just look at the writing before me and I'm like, no, mm-hmm. they would have set this up here and there. But that's not how you saw the trailers. You saw it coming. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so, you know, like, let's see how they they executed. But I'm really excited for it. But that actually, speaking of Wanda, leads into my next question for you guys. And Petra, we can, can k- kick it off with you. How do you rank all three Disney uh, plus shows now, Loki, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and WandaVision. How, how are you ranking those? Ooh, okay. Um, and this is not necessarily indicative of like objective quality. This is just my personal preference. Yeah, and, like, just subjective. I, have, I know a little about a lot, but like, I can talk really loud, so that makes up for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is purely personal. I have to say uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, to me, ranks top because it deals with a lot of issues that are really important right now mm-hmm. i feel and it, it deals with them very meaningfully and i feel like sebastian stan and anthony mackie just like came together as the two scene stealers that finally got their moment oh, whereas yeah. you know the yeah flag smashers whatever who cares but like i thought it was just so important it set up the transition in such a fundamental way that like the old guard is out, Steve who like, we're here, it's our time. And I think that was such a big building block that doesn't necessarily like factor into anything. I know WandaVision goes into Doctor Strange and then Loki goes into more Loki and all of that. But um, I think that was such a good like pin in that whole network of properties that we have now in the MCU. So. That's my top. Loki is like a hair second because the first episode to me was so exposition heavy. Mm-hmm. While it was important, I was just kind of like, come on. Come on. <laughs> oh, we're done. Okay. So <laughs> it had, it took a minute to find its stride and I had some things about it where I wasn't quite sure about, but it really like came together for me. So it's like, I mean, they're like, yeah, like here, like they're, they're almost tight. And then WandaVision, not because it was worse, or, or whatever but just because to me not having grown up in the u.s all these like sitcoms don't mean the same thing oh interesting i never considered that angle so it's in a way like the, the thing that wanda experienced but it's like she's foreign and she sees this and this to her is like domestic bliss in america so this is how she processes things and like the most unhealthy way possible but um to me it's the same thing like i don't find american sitcoms today necessarily funny because to me the humor doesn't connect it, it, oh, it's it, it's just like i watch like mash for example i will i love that like that's something that i can laugh at like 20 years ago and now but 
all these like I love Lucy or all these things that this is based on I'm just like I don't enjoy the original because it like peanut butter and jelly I didn't grow up with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that's a very alien to me yeah so it's just like it took me a long time to like see where it was going with it because the connection wasn't pre-made through my childhood for me yeah those first two episodes must have been really hard for you then because they're just so straight just like oh wanda and vision are bewitched now yeah i mean i could enjoy because i like I knew the shows, but I was just like, okay, okay, this is hilarious. Like they're, oh, I'm glad they let them loose. Like we're not serious for once. This is awesome. But then you see all these little like flashes of things to come. And then like the dude in the hazmat suit showing up and all that stuff. And I'm just like, what's happening? (laughs) Why? But it it got so powerful towards the end, but it just like had that, like I had my first peanut butter and jelly sandwich at the age of 28, because it just never was, we don't do those like yeah. it's just a different culture and like that connection took a little longer for me to make so I felt like I, I lost a little bit of that not to say that WandaVision I mean WandaVision is fantastic on its own it just for me had that it didn't have that edge Lux what did you think how do you rank the shows uh, so honestly, kind of the kind of the opposite, right? Because I grew up watching the Brady Bunch and Bewitched. Beverly Hillbillies was my jam. Like all those like <laughs> old old TV land shows. Love so it. when those first two episodes of WandaVision dropped, I was just like, oh, this show is gonna get weird as fuck. And I love it. Uh, and that that's one thing that's always kind of bothered me about, you know, just the movies in general, whether you're talking about Marvel or DC or anything, is that they feel the need to like grab your hand and walk you through every little thing. And no, just, don't tell. Like, no, no, exactly. no. Like, people are smart. They can figure it out. Um, and WandaVision was like, here you go. Like you're going, you're dump, you're jumping in the deep end tonight, hon. Yeah. So I, I loved, loved that. Um, and then I, I really enjoyed Falcon Winter Soldier. I think that's my number two. It seemed like the most, the most like MCU type property, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could have made that into a movie if you just, you know, cut five sixths of it out. I'm glad they didn't, but um, it, it seemed like it fit the most. And I love, love Loki. Like there, it's like one and then slightly behind it is two and then slightly yeah, okay. behind is three. They're yeah. all so good. But I, I think, think it just WandaVision takes the cake just because it like, it threw you in that discomfort and it let you mm-hmm. sit in that discomfort for a whole week. We had no idea what was going on. And we're back to that now. Like what happened to binging? What happened to blah? Now we have to like <laughs> wait on the water cooler conversation again. Cool. <laughs> well, I think they do that because I follow this like movie industry uh, YouTuber called Grace Randolph. And she talks about how like binging, it is a one and done conversation. But when you start having the shows weekly, people are tuning in weekly and they're talking about it and it helps make the shows more popular. Like I think the boys was weekly and invincible. They really benefited from something like that. WandaVision at the time, I was like, I need that next episode right now. Like, like the, every time I cut out and you saw her fucking eyes, I'm like, Fuck! <laughs> you know, and I don't know what it was about WandaVision because I, I've been trying to think about this. Like everyone was invested in it from a narrative, like clown makeup perspective, like the entire stand community, whether you liked Wanda, whether you liked the show or not, you had theories and you were talking about it. And 
Power of X-Men, like the engagement we got with any Wanda content was like light years. You know what I mean? Like, um, and we didn't get that with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier, though, I'm so proud they have it out there because exactly what you two were saying, which is those themes and issues they tackled were so fucking important. I think maybe Marvel was a little late to the game. That's the thing I've said in the past. But then I'm like, well, there was a pandemic. They went there. They went there. They went there. There was a pandemic. What venue did they have before Disney Plus to actually explore these issues? You know what I mean? You had the movies and the movies were just more big event focus. Mm -hmm. So uh, Loki, I'm pleasantly surprised. I agree with you, Lux. It's probably like my third by just a hair. And when I'm ranking them, it's not because one is better than the other. As you were saying, I was going to call you Sylvie again, Petra. I'm just going to call you Sylvie from now on. Uh, Petra, it's just different. Hi. Wait. Oh, my God. Guys, Petra's cat just came in. Petra and Lux both have cats that have, oh, my God. So cute. I want to make him a little Loki hat. Make him a little Loki hat. Loki variant. A little Loki variant. Oh, this is delicious, everybody. Um, hi. 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 Um, but they were just. Off at me. They were just so different. And Loki was, I was pleasantly surprised because that first episode, I was like, "Mm, yeah, Yeah. a lot of exhibition here. Like, okay, so you're catching him up with what happened to his life. I know he didn't download the memories, which I've said in the past wrongly, but he absorbed the memories and he's sort of like on the same page as that Loki who died. He's seen his mistakes of what happens in the future. So I don't, but it, it really took off. That The low point for me with Loki was the episode when they're stranded on the planet. Um, I always get the name of the planet wrong. Lamentus. Lamentus. I say mm-hmm. Lab, something, whatever. Lamentus. The purple one. The purple one. Um, I don't know. It just felt like it was just really like strong filler when we didn't need filler. But after that, I thought everything was wonderful in the series. And especially this fucking finale. literally lost my shit with this um so what did you guys think of this finale let's let's all take a sip (laughs) i'll take a sip guys at home take a sip if you're having a mocktail or water take it now because (laughs) that intro i the only thing i'm gonna say about the intro i thought we were gonna get like quotes from like the fox x-men that's my clown makeup on right Aww. now. That it would have been so good. Uh, I would just, I would go on all kinds of extremes to get McAvoy and Fassbender in the MCU. <laughs> Dude, I don't even know. It, it would just, like, what is it that, like, Ascension meme? It would just, <laughs> like, ape chakra right up here. I haven't seen that meme, but no, yes. I mean, the, I think the variants are establishing the Fox X-Men coming in. Cameos they at least like everywhere. do a little bit here and there. Spoiler just like, alert, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, go watch it now. We're going to say spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Lux? Uh, I, was, I was just saying you. Um, they could at least do like in Multiverse of Madness or some other like multiverse property, they could throw McAvoy in. And just be like, oh, you're not the Professor X we know. Just as like an homage to 
that we don't feel like is a big middle finger like Ralph fucking Boner. Oh, like (laughs) I'm like seizing right now. I had Ralph Boner. But Petra, what you said, (laughs) um, one thing that I don't feel a lot of people have been discussing, and I'm guilty of this, I didn't even post it on Power of X-Men. We got a Deadpool in the MCU trailer for Free Guy and not many people are talking about it. Right? And I think Marvel Marvel pays attention to that big time. Yeah. But, but even like the bigger MCU accounts and we're talking accounts that have like half a million followers, no one really mentioned it and those that did, it got little like response. I know. I know. I, I think know. we're all just like we're trying to you know, keep the clown makeup off essentially. Like <laughs> Obviously, they're going to keep Deadpool the way that you know he's presently presented. Mm-hmm. But I think it, I think it's better if Deadpool is kind of on, on his in his own little pocket, like kind of the yeah. way they did it with Fox, where like they did have I think it was in Deadpool two, they had all of the Fox X Men do a little cameo there. And yeah, like, on the room. I thought that was appropriate. Like, yeah, just keep him kind of like that, where like maybe someone walks through, or maybe you see this, or he says something about that person. But Deadpool doesn't need to affect the MCU at large. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. Let's see. Look, I I think I, I'm happy Marvel is showing us that good faith. And obviously, we got Kevin Feige in the Hellfire Gala, which again was another lovely wink. So with Loki in this episode, again they're going through and guys at home. Um, that opening shot where it shows like the universes and you get like Maya Angelou saying, I will rise, Neil Armstrong, one small step for man. Um, and a lot of Greta Thunberg, uh, who's officially in the MCU. Aww, How dare I they? I love Greta so much. Um, there were really great quotes. I thought we were, because we opened up with all of the quotes from other characters I thought, oh, they're going to sneak in like mm-hmm. X-Men or something like that. But they didn't, and it's fine. Yeah. But what did you guys think of just like seeing that big cosmic opening and then finally arriving at the, I call it the palace, whatever it's called, but they go past the void. They finally arrive there. What were, I mean, I was hyped. I was like, that's it. There's something big's going to happen here. Yeah, I think I think the exact same thing. Actually, the, the thought that I had when I realized it was Greta, Greta Thunberg um was just like she's about like she's the age where she probably enjoys this type of stuff like you know if if that's in her list of interests so can you imagine just being there like if dayspring if they had taken just a clip of you saying something in this podcast and just thrown it in there (laughs) imagine her reaction to like seeing like oh shit i'm in loki right now that's well she deserves it Mm -hmm. yeah our real life lisa simpson deserves that yeah (laughs) But I, yeah, I, same, same reaction that got me so pumped up. Yeah. I think we yeah. saw that whole ma- uh, macro cosmic perspective, Petra. It was very, um, it has to me, and I know they referenced it a few times, but it, it was very, uh, was it a bog? It was like very Emerald city. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it has that whole, like with a, uh, that like Elias kind of dissipated in that like opening and you see that, like those spires coming out and then you're just like it, it had that like dark wizard of oz feel like you see now you meet the man behind the curtain and mm-hmm. nothing's ever going to be the same and you're definitely not in kansas anymore you're also not in oklahoma <laughs> but um but they just stopped there for once so that was nice but it was very uh i mean just generally the visuals of the entire show were just 
stunning. I know everything usually kept it like I mean, WandaVision went all with the uh, like semi-metaphysical and then Falcon and the Winter Soldier kept it pretty straight with like the earthly locales. Mm -hmm. But this just was a trip. It just was Ragnarok level. And yeah. even like classic Thor level, like the only thing that was missing was somebody punching a space shark, which I will, ho- I hope to see that at some point because that is canon. That is something that happens. But it was just this like wild, colorful trip. It was just, it was that gorgeous. felt so profound. And I was just like, holy crap. Like, and everybody, of course, we knew who we were going to meet because everybody looked at the casting and everybody knew, but we were still not sure like what was we going to encounter with. I don't know if I, I didn't look at the casting for this one. I, I, and I always do. I was going like on the IMDb pros. Um, I've been burned with going on Reddit and looking at everything with MCU content. I'm burned with it because it's always wrong. And it's such great theories that are on it. I, I say this all the time. There was this user named Suki on Reddit who posted supposed like WandaVision spoilers. Mm-hmm. And they sounded so great and so big. I was like, yes, yes, yes. And none of them came. Yeah. To the, to the fan fiction. No. Well, well, and here's the thing. Like, guys, like it wasn't even like I read someone's comment and I was like, ha, ha, ha. I like this. I'm going to call it like, uh, you know, someone's leaking it. No, like the moderators from Reddit actually elevated the post and like gave them their own subreddit. So I'm like, oh, this must be the real deal because people are really talking about this. So with this one, I didn't. The only thing I'm going to say that I was expecting we didn't get and it was Mr. Scott Free's uh, theory was King Loki because the Mm -hmm. Loki variants were such a big part of the show. I, I thought thinking, oh, if they're only thinking about this from a television perspective, like WandaVision, where it's a little bit more of a beginning, middle, and end for this story, um, it makes sense that you would have like King Loki there at the end of time and Loki confronting himself and sort of overcoming his past transgressions by killing his ultimate superego, you know, something like that. But mm-hmm. listen, that being said, I'm glad it wasn't King Loki. I'm glad we got Kang, he who remains. I was like, when I saw Kang, when I thought, uh, when I saw him, I was just like, fuck yes. Because he's not, Jonathan uh, Majors isn't supposed to debut as Kang or wasn't supposed to debut as Kang officially until um, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Quantumania. So I'm here for it. I know. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the same thing. Is like when I, I don't know much about Kang in general, but it's just his backstory was so specific. And they're like, oh, I was a scientist in the 31st century and this, 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 and this, and this. And I met all these. And then I like, I looked it up and I was like, oh no, that's, that's like Kang. They're not, it's not like um, a thing we're going to reveal later. It's, that's his backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like watching, when I watched the, the Flash CW show, there was a character and they're like, oh, this guy's name is Hunter Zolomon. He's this, this, and this, just like a normal dude. And I looked at my roommate at the time and he was like, that's a weird name. He's somebody, right? We, yeah. We was, you know, whoever he was, but it was the same thing. Like too specific, but so great. Um, I did want to make one note of the design of, they called it the Citadel at the end of time or mm-hmm. something along those lines. Mm-hmm. At the Citadel, I just had to look it up a moment ago. Um, it's all the whole background, all the walls and the doors and everything. They look like they're like pieced together with like gold or something like that, like Kintsugi uh, pottery. Yeah. And I just thought that was such a cool design element to keep everything together. Yeah, Like he is, he is at the end of time 
holding it all together, like keeping this timeline consistent by piecing things together. And it was just gorgeous. I loved him. I loved that he wasn't like, behold the villain. Like he's just, there's a guy who is done with it. Like exactly like he explains, like you can't do shit to me. Like you do this thing, I win. You go, you do this thing, I take the long way around, I still win. I got like um, Ozymandias vibes from Watchmen when they yeah. all go to the Arctic to confront him and he's just like, what do you think I am? Some comic book villain that did all this 30 minutes ago. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> it was just, he's eating the whole time. He couldn't care less. He's just having a laugh at their expense. And they're all just, Sylvie's just like, I feel like they're doing this thing where Sylvie like sword drawn, like trying to get at him and like, look, he's holding her back by the scruff of the neck and Kang's mm-hmm. just like, y'all are funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and that, that moment where they cross the threshold and he doesn't, like now he doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. That was gorgeous to me. I actually rewound that the first time so I could watch it again because like I had to make sure there wasn't like, there wasn't any like special effects there or there weren't any like overt sound effects or anything. He was just looking around and for millennia knowing every tiny detail of how this candle flame flickers to, you know, knowing how something falls. And he's just like, oh shit, I don't know what's happening. And he just picks something up and drops it. Like, I just thought that was played so well and then just like you said for the rest of the scene he's just watching because it's the first time he's been surprised in a million lifetimes well and i love that perspective because there's a lot of beauty in being present and i've been trying to figure out like what is loki about because again like we can boil down wandavision to grief we can boil down falcon the winter soldier to trauma and systemic racism but loki is still one of those things that i haven't quite figured out what i can boil it down to and you know that scene in specific where they cross that 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 threshold where they're like i he's here like i don't know what's happening next i was like and he looks really relieved by it because he was so tired i mean he tells that to sylvie he's here like i am just tired you can kill me you know cause a whole mess of problems or i can be here and you guys can have whatever you want i i i thought that was a theme but i haven't seen that in other parts of the series so i'm curious what you guys think Loki, especially now that we're at the end, what Loki is about as a series. I actually do have a theory on this. I think that there, it's something to do with kind of breaking that cycle of mm-hmm. just... Predestination. And- yeah, of, of your predestination, right? Yeah. Kid Loki says it in episode five. He says, every Anytime time we do we something better, some, better ourselves, they end up us. here. Yeah. Uh, it's either we we fail or we're evil and we, we make everybody else miserable or we're miserable. And anytime we try to n- not do either of those things, they like destroy us for all intents and purposes. Exactly. And then it, it comes up again in uh, in the Citadel when Loki and Sylvia are arguing with each other, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what they're going to do next. Uh, <laughs> and they they Loki says, you don't trust me. You can't. You trust can't trust, and I can't be trusted. And I can't be trusted. And I think like that—that's the thing. I actually, um, I—I used to date someone who we we dated back when like Ragnarok was out, and we used to argue about Loki specifically, 
Uh, God, because I that's a really healthy relationship. Right? <laughs> that was our big argument, though. She's probably really upset that I'm on a podcast about Loki right now. Because uh, I was just like, now. no, Loki's terrible. He just does the same thing over and over and over. Are you uh, still dating this person? No, 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 no. This was... Good, good. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> they were wrong. <laughs> But that, that was, she just, she loved Loki. She was obsessed with him. And I was like, he's just boring. Like you always know what to expect out of him. And then finally in this series, you get Loki legitimately breaking the cycle yeah. of like, of self-sabotage essentially. And I think that's going to continue into season two. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's why we have a season two. I'm curious what season two is going to look like. And guys at home, obviously the post credit scene was a stamp saying mm-hmm. Loki will return for a season two, which is great. Yeah, I'm, you know, I think growth is definitely one um one element of what makes Loki a very special series. I mean, we saw it multiple times when he was talking to Mobius, when he said um, early on in episode one, like, I'm just a sad man who likes to make other people feel weak. You know, that's what cowards do. I'm I'm paraphrasing what he said, of course. Mm -hmm. And then obviously the scene with Sif and why he cut her hair and all that stuff. So I, there were times where I was like, is Loki trying to pull a fast one on us? Like he's just saying the truth, something like that, just to manipulate the situation. Um, but I think he was truthful. I always thought he was truthful. I thought there was going to be another shoe to drop with that. That he was just using that to his advantage. But he came to really care about the people around him. Uh, the other variants, obviously Sylvie, Mobius. And I thought that was very beautiful and, and something we've never seen in that character uh, before, even though we were he was growing and we saw that growth in Ragnarok quite a bit. Yeah. Oh. Um, I, I do. I did also want to mention one thing I really loved about Loki, and this was in episode five, is that we had someone is that they trusted the audience enough to put an older man in a shitty Walmart costume from the <laughs> and then give him this big emotional moment of like being the reason our protagonists survive and make it to the other side. Yeah. Like, okay, but I Richard E. Grant that. killed it. I mean, that he so killed it. I'm like, he I'm loved sad every second too. Oh, I know. But he, he might not be. I mean, maybe, maybe there's another, ver- like, another variant of him that they can go and get because he was so good. Right. What, what is kid, like Kid Loki and Gator oh. Loki? Perfect <laughs> chef kiss. Love them both. What if Richard E. Grant? Because I have like Paula, you and I talked about uh, Agent of Asgard having been my favorite run, and I I love every second of it. And you mentioned King Loki, which is like the Loki that we saw in um, like Straczynski's uh, Thor run as like the evil alter ego of Loki. But if you backstory to Agent of Asgard, too much to mention. But he's also not evil. He just like knows his place, and he does evil things to make good things happen later on. So like he's very aware of himself and he's very aware of where he like the, the scope of which like within which he can act. And he does that to its fullest and he propels everybody else to be you know, what they said in, in the TVA earlier, like be the best versions of themselves by him yeah. just being the worst. And I want like Richard E. Grant to come back as King Loki at some point. Oh my God. Like, yes. Wouldn't that be like, he, Oh yeah. You were, he was nice at one point, but this one isn't like, yeah. that'd be cool. Like, or having, probably not gonna 
Or having Tom Hiddleston in that costume, though. <laughs> oh, oh my Lord God, give heaven. me that. Oh. I would love that. Um, the one thing we should talk about, though, on the subject of variant Loki is, is also what Kang says, which is just wait till you meet my other variants. <laughs> and one variant I do want to call out because I do think this is happening. I think it is like a red flash happening right now in the MCU, the Young Avengers. And obviously, mm-hmm. Iron Lad is a big variant of Kang. And we, have, and we have Kid Loki. And then we have the twins in mm-hmm. WandaVision. And we have uh, Kate in the Hawkeye series. And we have yes. Cassie Lang recasted in Quantumania. So I think the only one... Oh, and I think Ironheart is also going to play a role in the Young Avengers. And possibly Miss Marvel because they're getting their own Disney Plus shows. But mm-hmm. they could be champions or whatever they, they end up sure. doing. But regardless, we're seeing the emergence of a lot of young actors... And I think the pieces are in play for Young Avengers, with the exception of Hulkling, who we haven't gotten yet. But I, what do you guys think of, of Young Avengers coming and a possible variant of a younger Kang popping up? Bring it. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> All of it. I don't even that's, care. That's <laughs> forward, right? Take a sip out of your horn, Sylvie. <laughs> right um, there. That's what's made comic books so successful, I think, is just this ability to keep building on this wider and wider base of history. And obviously, we can't have... You can't have 60 years worth of stories of Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, unfortunately. So that's how they do it. They need to keep setting the stage for these newer generations of heroes. And they need to find some way to keep those stories going, right? So give them a Disney Plus show and then give them, you know, their their main stage Marvel movie is one thing I really want to see. I want to see like an X-Men movie and then give them an give them a Disney Plus series in between mm. movies. And like that's when you can discuss like you know all the other issues you can have an X-Men series on Disney Plus that centers around Cena's Iceman run is my like ultimate dream. Fingers crossed on that one. And have yeah. Cena write the scripts for that. Absolutely. I would not have anyone else write that script. We love you so much, Cena. Big stands. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I think the biggest rumor for a while was that the X-Men were going to start popping up in Disney Plus shows. Let's see how that, that happens. But shrug. Yeah, I'm... Look, I Kevin Feige... I think said originally like, Oh, don't worry. You know, the Disney plus shows, you don't have to watch them to understand the movies and vice versa. But now he's kind of changed his tune because I think he saw, and this is what I like about Marvel. They always learn from their mistakes. They saw that WandaVision people were expecting that astrophysicist to be Reed Richards or someone big. We were expecting Mephisto. I think now, and he said this in the black widow uh, red carpet, it's no longer the movies or a shows. It's just different corners of the mcu and it's all just one big universe so i think now after loki i've always said i think the disney plus shows are skippable i still maintain that for wandavision and like falcon the winter soldier i think they're good but i think in order understanding a larger plot you don't need them i think with loki yeah you do actually Mm -hmm. have to tune in especially with another big spoiler warning the timeline literally going a wall everywhere that's it oh 
I thought it was so cool because we go into like the whole Norse concept of it. We kind of just completely veered away because we had kind of this like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy vibe of, you know, 60s brushed bronze aesthetic. And then at the end where it all just goes, I thought that was maybe, maybe it's my imagination, but I thought it was a really like neat little nod to Yggdrasil, like the tree of life, like where all the levels, like roots. They just like branch and branch and branch because he's not Petra blowing my mind right now. Like, I love how you're holding on to your hair too while she was talking. (laughs) (gasps) (laughs) Because Kang said something where it's like universe is stacked on top of each other, and like in the the tree of life, you have the nine worlds, and that's how they always showed it, they're just all on top of each other. But, um, I thought it was just so cool that it went like out, like almost like arteries maybe of a, like a living system like now it's organic now it's not um conforming to any calculation anymore um it's just all anyone's game and it's all wild and i thought it's now uh that you know the jeff goldblum life will find a way like the you know it's all just going I mean, I've been talking about Jeff Goldblum all week because the Hasbro live with Jesse Falcon, he was giving me Jeff Goldblum vibes. So I have been obsessed (laughs) all week again with Jeff Goldblum. But that scene, Petra, that you were talking about, I love it because it reminded me from the X-Men animated series where Immortus also has a cameo in. But when Apocalypse goes, unfortunately for you and your universe, time has run out. And like, (laughs) literally... Uh, that's a beyond good and evil story. Like time is broken and the X-Men, it was originally supposed to be the X-Men animated series finale. Mm-hmm. And it dealt with time and the access and everything breaking. And, and that's the vibe. I, that, that excitement, that vibe was present when I saw that, like literally my mouth dropped when they went over the threshold, that red threshold and like time just started spiraling or becoming this beautiful, organic living tree of life. As you, as you so beautifully put it just now i wish i had longer hair to hold (laughs) (laughs) it's a prop it's beautiful oh my god both you guys have beautiful hair by the way sidebar uh you petra are of the hemsworth family and you (laughs) lux i you look like sebastian stan i never really you always look like someone to me but i get it you got winter soldier vibes there (laughs) i will take it like that I've been wanting to do a cosplay just for my whole life. I've always wanted to. And I love a weird, unnecessary mask. I love a, a Sylvie crown, a Jean crown. And the, give me that. I'll do it. Yeah. Okay. You can be a winter soldier Jean hybrid. Oh, that's Damn. the dream. You could be a variant of both of them. <laughs> exactly. There you go. One way. But, um, so the big thing I think they alluded to with this because Kang obviously gives his uh, backstory of why he had to create the TVA and why there had to be a single, you know, prime timeline was because all these different variants of him kind of discovered everything at the same time. They went to war and it was a big universal threat. Uh, The multiverse was at stake. And now boom, here we are. Do we think they're going towards secret wars now? Oh my God. I hope we get oh my God, Petra's reaction. Yeah. <laughs> good secret wars, right? Like, yeah. I think one thing that we've seen with the movies and with the shows is that if the, if Feige and the MCU at large decide to trust the, the filmmakers, right? Trust that they're doing something that they love and that they're doing something that's accurate to the comics in a way that's going to translate to film very well is that the fans are going to be there for them. 
Mm-hmm. So like, I, you don't need to dumb Secret Wars down. You don't need to have just a, a blatant cash grab. I think they're doing Secret Wars and I think they're going to do it right. Right. Based on what I'm seeing from the MCU is that they're trusting their filmmakers. They're trusting their directors to do good work. Phase four has just been such a revelation. I mean, just Black Widow and all the, I'm not sure technically where all of them stand, but I'm including all the Disney Plus shows in phase four, just because it's such a, and selfishly, I want to say it has a lot to do with including more female directors and writers, because there is a, an additional layer even in watching Black Widow, the fight scenes, something as mundane as two people beating the shit out of each other. These are two women fighting. Yeah. And fighting to win, not fighting to look as sexy as possible while fighting. Like, I hair pulling, really eye gouging, want. curtain strangling, like whatever. These are, this is the resourcefulness of people who have to be scrappy to live. We see that in Sylvie too, but it's like, she doesn't waste time on flair. She just goes for it. And um, I honestly think like, yes, they definitely listen to their fans more. They learn from their mistakes. They've had 10 years or longer since 2008 to figure this out. And yeah, you can't do an origin story every single time. I mean, Iron Man is Doctor Strange, is Captain Marvel one way or another, like, you know, guy is kind of not great. Incredible thing happens to him. Guy is now great. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful story, but like they saw that with Spider-Man, they just didn't do that. They just kind of went in a different direction. And I love that about it. And now it's more about um, pertinent issues of the time and the culture that, you know, they're all throwing on a superhero cape to add it into uh, the material, but it's not, uh, 90 minutes of look how buff Chris Hemsworth is, you know? <laughs> Although it's, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> the, Sidebar. I mean, there anyway, that, that, that you can't get yeah. around that. That's happening. But it's not all like we're filling that with things that yeah. are important. And I thought Loki, honestly, uh, I, I wasn't sure about Sylvie, honestly, at the beginning, because Marvel has a big problem of, of nerfing their antiheroes once they become good. Mm-hmm. As soon as, like, the Winter Soldier was a force of nature, menacing as mm. all get out. As soon as he becomes Bucky Burns, he gets his ass handed to him by everyone. Yeah. I'm just like, what? Okay, same thing with Loki. Honestly, I hated that part in Infinity War where, honestly, th- this whole thing about, like, Loki's are survivors and blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay, cool. So there's there he is trying to, like, flirt Thanos out of maybe killing everybody and I was like okay your projection oh no you're not a you're an illusion no and I'm like turn your goddamn skin blue and burn his hand off what is the matter with you yes I was yes. Like, honestly like that is something that like he doesn't even need to try to do like that is his true nature and yeah I get it you know he, he was Odin some the last time he introduced himself he was introduced as Lao Fei because he like in that time like never made that leap but I was like you would you surviving to like your heroic self wanting to survive to like keep your people alive potentially even for 10 more minutes like you would do anything like have you suddenly forgotten everything that you can do that made you awesome and you're coming at this guy with a toothpick like mm-hmm. th- that was God. so like take us to church on the sunday uh-huh. brunch uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> 
holy water right here. (laughs) (laughs) Now we know what happened to that missing horn on Sylvie's. (laughs) You know, it is surprising how many things you bang into with these things. That's what they don't tell you. And yeah. he, like, I'm apparently, I'm very spatially unaware, so I just, like, run into door frames or walls or whatever. I mean, I'm very spatially unaware. <laughs> it's well, literally that's a problem. Kind of, this is a nice little challenge. But, yeah, I think Loki has become so much about, like, true self-confidence and self-awareness and, yeah. like, vulnerability as strength. Because Sylvie's just as boneheaded as any other Loki. She doesn't think past her, like, immediate gratification. Like, hey, I'm just going to kill this guy because I'm pissed and like I have trauma like yeah guess what mm-hmm. that's the only thing I would with, with Sylvie I wanted to be like like I appreciated Sylvie's story because they took her away when she was a young child on Asgard why? I, yeah and we still don't know why I, I mean <laughs> Renslayer was like I don't remember I was like Renslayer remembers. I, exactly. Oh, yeah. Renslayer remembers and said that purposely to be hurtful. But I think the only hint we got was that because she was born uh, a female Loki, but mm. I don't know. We've seen other variants. So I don't know why her being born the way she was, was that somehow caused a timeline disruption and why didn't it happen when she was a baby? I don't know. But um, I felt for her. The only thing I wanted to be like, oh, come on, like Sylvie. Like literally you're going to kill God right now. And like the universe is going to go shit. Maybe we just have a moment here where, where you and like Loki, other Loki just figure out like what to do. Like, I love that they could be reinserted in the timeline and be together, but, mm-hmm. but that's what's brilliant. That was, what's so brilliant about Sylvie. She does not want to lie. She wanted revenge for everything that happened to her and her life because she had to live at the end of time for every time for with an apocalypse and that shit like weighs on your soul. Yeah. Just like as I pour another glass of rose for over a thousand years. No like, yeah. Jesus, I'm sorry, Sylvie. Like, you know what? Maybe <laughs> Immortus had it coming. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, fuck honestly, that. I felt so bad when Loki gets wasted on the train. It's like, it's the end of the world. Nothing matters. And she's like, that's my home. Nothing I do ever matters because I live here. Like, yeah. And the trauma of seeing people die. Not even just what happens to you. The trauma of seeing who others. Yeah, who don't know. That's horrible, Sylvie. I know. So, there there yeah. is one thing I want it, it's to. A, it's a mild backtrack. Um, Go for it. Uh, when we were talking <laughs> we're knee about, deep in this drug brush. It's <laughs> fine. Bring it. Go back. This much left. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when, when we were talking about uh, bringing in female directors and you know really diversifying behind the scenes, one thing that's always kind of bothered me uh, in Infinity War, right? You have to have that moment where it's just Scarlet Witch and. Um, and Black Boy, Widow and, fight like just the women are always yeah. fighting the women, right? Good. Mm-hmm. And this show, I think, to, they said no, 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 no. Like, we're not going to pull any punches, right? We're yeah. going to show, a, you know, a man and a woman being Loki and Sylvie fighting each other and like going hard and like matching each other blow for blow. And I think it's great because it, this show really treated Sylvie not necessarily as like a woman first, but as a person first. Yeah. And I thought that was just something that was really incredible to see because it didn't like take the kid gloves. It didn't put on the kid gloves for her. Yeah. Oh, it didn't yeah, make just, her hot. Like, treated her as like a formidable force that like, no, 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 Sylvie yeah. will fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah. She isn't the chick. She isn't the hot one. I mean, she's a beautiful woman and mm. uh, she is definitely striking. It's just not like, 
Oh, yeah, but he's a female one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I always didn't like about Lady Loki. Like from oh, the Straczynski the run. I know she's very popular and I know like, if that's your favorite character, I'm sorry. But <laughs> to me, it was really that uncomfortable issue that hasn't aged well, where it's like using yeah. gender as costume for oh, like yeah. nefarious purposes. Where that's a very valid point. Also, if canonically in that run, Thor and Sif, because Loki, King, old ratty looking Loki invades Sif's body to, I don't know, trick everybody somehow. And it's not like Hannibal Lecter ripping somebody's face off to put it on his own face, but then still calling himself Hannibal. You know, it's like canonically Sif is the love interest of Thor. So I'm just like, do you not spend a lot of time looking at Sif's face or do you just not know who this is? <laughs> that's a very valid, no, that's a valid point. And, you know, the thing that I would have liked to, first of all, a couple of things. One, I agree with everything you said about being of gender being a costume for nefarious purposes. That is a plot point that is extremely antiquated. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it ties into Judith Butler's ideology of what gender is supposed to be and how it's a performance and how it's society that really dictates those terms and causes that oppression with individuals. And I think something like that story point is emblematic of that. That being said, I did want Jamie Alexander to show up <laughs> as like yeah. a Lady Loki for a split second. And that would be fun. But, but it's like, maybe, but, you know, as something that's explicitly mentioned as like, this is bad. Yeah. Like, this is horrible. Don't do this. This is horrible. You violated someone's identity. And Owen Wilson, there is no better spot in the MCU uh. than a spot opposite Tom Hiddleston. Those, their chemistry together, Dude. I died. I love them so much. Can he be everyone's therapist? Seriously? Can we scrap Maybe that's the theme of the Disney Plus shows in general, is that therapy is what you need. Hands yes. down, whoever you are. So if Wanda had just like seen a grief counselor <laughs> instead of going... You spent an hour with Owen Wilson. You can't be mad. It's physically <laughs> impossible. Like, he's so chill. Like, okay, but know? that ending, though, with Owen Wilson... Like, first of all, boyfriend did not, she did not get her jet ski. And secondly, he was here like, "Uh, who are you? And literally, that's when we find out he's in the timeline where Kang. I mean, maybe I misheard it or understood it, but he's in a different timeline now where, Mm -hmm. you know, Owen and everyone are just under Conqueror Kang's rain and then we get obviously the shot of kang in his traditional outfit and we're like holy fucking shit yes that like <sighs> that scene that was another one that like when I, on, <laughs> on my rewatch <laughs> on my rewatch i was like looking for it's like when you watch the sixth sense the second time you're looking for like oh wow does he actually not interact with anyone but the kid yeah nobody talks to him but yeah. it, you're you're watching that scene again as like, okay, does this make sense? Like, is what he's saying and what he's doing, does it make sense as him not knowing who Loki is? And it's so perfect. Even at the very end, when Loki is looking at the Kang statue, Owen Wilson is in the background just like waving to someone and saying, come over here now, there's something going on. And then he kind of mm-hmm. goes off in this way. And it was just so well done. Mm-hmm. Like the execution of that scene was so perfect. That's the thing about Loki that I've always just wanted to see. And that's what I saw in Agent of Asgard is that what they say, um, and he comes to a few realizations, but like 
what he says in the or what is said about him like he's a he's a miserable person who wants to make other people miserable like he's just evil loki i think loves more than anyone like he wants to love somebody and he wants to be loved but like everyone he's ever had like a sort of attachment to has either lied to him willingly or just not had a place for him i think thor finally came around in ragnarok but like loki has no sense of identity and that's kind of his like establishing uh setting where now he has all these identities and he kind of needs to pick and choose from everyone uh like where he wants to be like i could see him embracing something like what rich e grant's monologue was like i was perfectly content being alone forever but then i wanted to see my brother and wanted to know if he missed me like yeah you were willing to like get destroyed because like he's at the first step he took off of that planet they got him and mm-hmm. I was like he's so like desperate for and it sounds very like mushy but like he's he's so desperate for connection that like he's willing to just lash out violently even the pretense of falsehood is offered to him because he's so well-versed in all his layers that he recognizes it immediately and he thinks he's oh yeah i'm 10 steps ahead of you because i'm i'm 10 times the liar that you are because i've had the practice but just having that moment like at the end of agent of asgard where he goes the whole theme of agent of asgard was like i'm the crime that cannot be forgiven and then at the end he's like no no you're okay what do i do now and he's like no just do your own thing like you've always done and then he's like, cool, all right, let's do it. And he kind of accepts himself in a new way. And then he just like changes the title from the God of Mischief to the God of Stories. And then he just kind of writes his own because that's his purpose. And, and that's where I want, like not season two, maybe hopefully season five or whatever. <laughs> but like, that's where I wanted to end for him. That's why I want, that's what the journey I want to see him on with all his variants or within his own head or with people from his past like this or, you know, whoever wants to make a cameo next. But I want him to be like vulnerable with himself and acknowledge the things that like he wants out of life that he can't get with a tesseract or like at knife point or through manipulation or whatever. Like I want him to figure out what he wants, what he can get, and then work his way honestly towards getting that. And I feel like we got really close at the final confrontation between him and Sylvie, but it was still a bit off because he was still about to one way or the other follow someone else's script because Kang was still giving him the two options and he was like this or this and he thought he was making the better choice he thought that was his way of breaking out of the cycle Sylvie thought fuck that this is the way to break out of the cycle and the the true answer if there had been an option would have been neither yeah because both options have terrible consequences but like I think at the end hopefully we'll come full circle and end up at a place where Loki just ascends to a new level of awesomeness. Well, I, everything you just said, I'm like in awe because I agree with. And the way you talked about Loki is the way I talk about Emma Frost. <laughs> Sidebar. <laughs> which I think Emma... Diamond skin, big metaphor. Well, well I, yeah, exactly. And I think Emma is a deeply caring individual who wants to unite people, who wants to be part of the Xavier Institute. We've seen that time and time again. And I see those parallels, obviously, with Loki. And Loki is so desperate, to piggyback off of what you were saying, Loki is so desperate to be part of something that when Kang gives him these two options, he's here like, well, okay, okay I'm going to pick the lesser of two evils here. But Sylvie's like, fuck that. I don't need that. I don't have that yearning in me. I don't have that hole in me. I fucking grew up in Apocalypse. I do, do. 
<laughs> but you do, Queen. Um, I'm going to make my own fucking destiny. I'm going to figure something out. Fuck you, Kang. And listeners at home, she kills Immortus, you know, he who remains. And the timeline splits. And I guess now we're going to figure out what happens next. I know. Now we have to wait another year for this. Like, I, well, I want my answers next week. But do you uh, think right we're going to see... Local representative. <laughs> <laughs> right to Kevin Feige. Do we think uh, Shang-Chi is going to deal with the fallout? Because, I mean, I'm sorry. This is why I took the ending. The multiverse is now shattered. That is going to start seeping yeah. into everything. Ideally, for, for my own clown yes. makeup, it's going to deal. It's going to seep into Doctor Strange. Obviously, Doctor Strange. Yeah. And obviously, Spider-Man. But Shang-Chi is going to start seeing that, too. Do we think what we're seeing now, it's just going to be everywhere? I don't know what that was. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I don't know much about Shang-Chi. Uh, but I think... If I had to guess, I would say they're going to play it a little bit safer with Shang-Chi just because it is a new property, Fair. right? With, you know, when they put in Ant-Man, they just kind of made it like they're like, all right, it's just going to be this funny, quirky standalone series. And we're just going to have a little, okay. little Falcon cameo right here. Um, and I, I think they're going to like that's going to be the, the trend going forward is that new properties are going to play it a little bit safe. And then once you're established, once you are Chris Evans, Captain America, we're going to do a civil war. We're going to have, we're going to bring everyone in and this is going to change the landscape of the, Mar- of the MCU. Um, so I think, I, I don't um, think. Give us more himbos. <laughs> give me always every single himbo. My favorite <laughs> issue of Cena Grace's Iceman was the ones that had Hercules in it. Cause Hercules in that, in those just ultimate himbo, if you haven't read it, go read it. He's hilarious. Yep. Truly, if I'm going to do a cosplay, it's going to be him because I'm hairy enough for it. It's going to be oh in God. like a harness and then like a He-Man. That's exactly what he wears. He wears a harness and like a it's... similar to the the headpiece you're wearing. Yeah. Okay, that makes perfect sense that you would be Hercules. Please go buy that cosplay right now. I just need to be... hit the gym for about uh, three more years. <laughs> You'll be Himbocules. Himbocules. <laughs> Guys, we need to do a Comic Con together, all of us. Oh my god! Jeez, Don't play with me, Paul, because I'll do it. Guys, uh, ten minutes it, sober, and then all bets are off. Yeah, we will be sober for two minutes. We're like, hi, hey guys, <laughs> and then we'll just get drunk. But get, yeah, get it, get it. Um, I'm like all gin now, so <laughs> that's my favorite part of the drink. All right, guys. So we're at the end of Loki. We know we're going to get a season two. What are your final thoughts on the series? And Petra, we will kick off with you. Okay. I thought it went into a really interesting direction that we hadn't seen yet. Uh, towards the end, even like the end credits song, I got like Doctor Who vibes because they had their radio wave. And um, Agreed. That whole thing, it's like, we go anywhere and everywhere in time, but we end up in like contemporary London a lot for like all the people in the TVA and all it's like suspiciously, suspiciously from like one time period. But yeah, you know, I, I thought they went big and they went pretty hard and I, I can appreciate that. I, like, I said a bit of a slow start, but all in all, I think it's set up for some really powerful scenes and I mean Tom Hiddleston just like 
takes it away from the second he stepped on the screen and Thor, he just like took it away. And sorry, Chris Hemsworth. Sorry, Chris. Our beautiful himbo. He, he is. It, Ain't nothing and, you know, wrong with himbo. That's it. More power to him. I love him. But and like, he played a himbo in Ghostbusters. He was great. Right? At it. And, and Loki just like <laughs> Loki just takes it places. Yeah. Like, that's why he's made it for I think longer than any other the I wanted to say Disney villain, which technically is true, but mm-hmm. longer than any other Disney Marvel whatever villain, like he's just stuck around and there's so much for him to discover and so much for an audience to discover in him and all his exciting variants that we have now seen. So I think I hope. Loki's here to say, I yeah. want more of him and I, of them. And um, I think lots of people do. I agree. Lux, your thoughts on Loki? Uh, I mean, more or less the exact same. I think they did a lot of really brave things with Loki. They were really testing the waters with the audience. Like, hey, what are, are people going to be chill if we just make Loki an alligator for a minute? And... <laughs> They, I mean, they basically yes. said it in the episode. It was episode five, I think. Um, and they were just like, it's best if you just don't question it. Uh, and the audience accepted it. We love Alligator Loki. Yeah. And I think the with it being so open, right? Thematically, Loki can't really come back to the MCU uh, because he's fake died so many times. And Thanos even said, no more resurrections this time. But Tom Hiddleston is such a force. He is such a, an incredible force on the screen that we don't want to get rid of him yet. Like we want to keep him around as long as he wants to stay. So I think um, with season two and hopefully beyond, we can do more. We can do more weird, crazy variants. Let's get King Loki. Let's let's get more Frog Thor. Like <laughs> wild Loki season two is my official oh, yeah. prediction. Is that it's going to be off the chain. And there, like, there is no limit. The limit does not exist. Two words. No way. Not two words. Three words. Beta Ray Bill. Don't uh, use me like that, Day Spring. Beta Ray Bill. Give me Beta Ray Bill. Like I thought we were gonna get him because obviously he was alluded to in Thor Ragnarok mm-hmm. with the statue. Um, but with the variant system. Thunder, maybe. Yeah. Oh. Just <gasps> saying. I'm excited. Do we think anything? Here's a very important question. Do we think anything that happened in Loki is going to affect Love and Thunder? Um, I think King and the Grandmaster had some sort of a connection at some point. So if we ever see the Grandmaster again, I would think that he would have something to say about current events. Yeah. And maybe there's a chance, like, I mean, if, if anyone can make Jane Foster cool, it's Taika. So. Do you remember when Natalie Portman was like, eh, superhero movies? No, it was her husband who was here, like, oh, superhero movies are destroying the industry. I was like, yeah, good. (laughs) (laughs) And Natalie Portman refused to like be part of the MCU, but now she's back because obviously this is going to be a great story. Uh, Lux, do you think Loki is going to affect Love and Thunder in any way, shape, or form? I think uh, by. Love and Thunder was already, you know, written and ready to go by the time this was mostly done. Um, I think for now, it's not going to affect Love and Thunder directly, but I think in the, you know, moving forward, like maybe with a Thor 5, we're going to see 
some kind of you know TVA popping up here or there, Kang the Conqueror mentioning a fight with Loki or something, and Thor being like, "Wait, what?" Um, so I I don't think Love and Thunder, but I do think farther down the line, definitely. Okay. Maybe we'll I... get like that one guy with the Casey where he's like, maybe he gets pushed into the water and it's like a fish. <laughs> <laughs> Is this like that? I love how they can understand the concept of a timeline and infinity stones, but they don't know what a fish is. Right. I don't. That's memory manipulation that is worse. Exactly. I don't. I don't know where they're going to go with that. Um, I always thought that was kind of. I, you know, I, I didn't know what to make of the people who worked at the TVA. Now we know that they're all variants. I'm. I'm cool with that. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's exactly what you were just saying, Petra, where it's memory manipulation or something like that. Oh, and I love that the first question was, are you a robot? Then they're literally governed by three robots. <laughs> like, Well, it's that Wizard of Oz uh, yeah. symbolism. And and we said that earlier on in, in our coverage of it. I was like, oh, it's when you peek behind the curtain with Oz, you're just going to be disappointed. Although I was not disappointed with Jonathan no. Majors. It's like Sam TVA said is not in, um, in Falcon Winter Soldier, it's always going to be androids, wizards, or aliens. Yes! It was androids. It was always androids. Uh, guys, where can folks at home connect with you? Let's start with you, Lux. Uh, you guys can find me at uh, Greg underscore house underscore. Uh, I'm on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter if you can find it. I'm never on Twitter. So if you find my Twitter, let me know. <laughs> so I can sign back into that. Hunt is on. <laughs> Petra, where can people follow your amazing cosplay? Oh, thank you. Um, I'm mostly at Hall of Fame. That's almost like Hall of Fame, but spelled F-E-M-M-E. I'm also, if you're local in Oklahoma City, I am currently the artist in residence at the Skirvin. So if you find yourself downtown, go see my studio, stop by, let's chat. I'm, I live there now. So um, yeah, anytime, just, I'm mostly busy on Instagram, sometimes on Facebook, but that's probably your best bet. All right, guys. And thank you for joining us for our Loki finale recap. As always, I'm in the Uncanny Day Spring, signing off. Mm-hmm.